I was talking on the way up here, like, like Vicky, you know, find it stressful because you're around, like around all your peers, so you like want to like show off and be like. But at the end of the day, people are spending money to shake our hands. You know, you're not like really doing the food. You're not. You're not doing a normal service. That's exactly what it is. You know that seven chefs thing of James Close and yeah. that, and that's exactly what it said. It's just a chance to give people something a little bit extra they wouldn't have seen normally. See you guys. It's just and if you fucking hate anything up enough. People will fucking enjoy it. Hello, it's Paul from the Past Podcast, your favourite food podcast. This week, my guests are friend of the podcast, Josh Overington, from Lacoche on Averg in York. And it was his turn to host one of the nights for the North East Feasts. And essentially what it was, was the three chefs from last year's Great British Menu in the North East showcasing their food from the competition and showcasing the food from their restaurants. So you had Danny Parker from the House of Tides in Newcastle and man of the moment Tommy Banks from the Black Swan at Oldstead. All cooking together, showing off their menu and dishes from the competition. I caught up with the three boys at Cave Coach on Josh's Bar in York and we had a chat about the logistics of cooking in each other's restaurants, different dishes, what life's been like since the competition, and we also talk about Tommy's cookbook and whether the three of them would like to return again. So enjoy the show. Cheers, guys. you just done the lunch service then? Yeah, yeah, just the lunch service. More chefs than we've ever had in that kitchen ever before. You know as well as I have, it's layout. How small it is, it's really tiny. So, and you know, with these two big fucks in there as well, it was like, <laughs> excuse me, yeah, bit of a squeeze, but yeah, we got it going. Yeah, I think all the customers really happy with the food, food are now fine, that's the main thing. So, yeah, was it challenging for you guys in that space? Well, it's just a bit different, isn't it? Like, but yeah, it's just good. We're only doing a couple of courses each, so it's not too bad. And uh, well, it's just intimate. At least, like, you don't have very far to walk, so it's great. <laughs> you're, you're only ever about an arm's length away from the stove, so it's pretty. Not like you guys, yeah. Well, you're on multiple floors as well, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. So I've still got my ten thousand steps into. Yeah. It, so <laughs> What's it like for you, Danny? You've come the furthest today from Newcastle. What's it like for me cooking in York? You know, it started off nice and early this morning, about seven o'clock. I was up to get here for nine-ish, uh, but it's good. And as Josh said, he's never had that many chefs in there, but it doesn't matter because everyone just cracks on together and it doesn't matter what the situation, you get it all done. It's nice to see different chefs from different places coming together and still doing the same job. How quickly did this idea come about then from doing the Great British Menu that you guys were probably my favourite heat of the last oh, series? <laughs> well, I just think there were some other really strong ones. Oh, I know. <laughs> all right. You guys were my favourite heat last time how quickly did it take to decide to do this idea I think we were discussing it in the bar when we like before we'd even cooked <laughs> we'd even done the first course and like, you get down there like two days before actually you start filming so that, I think that the first night we're having a few beers and we're like oh we should do some nights together so I mean you need to make it work for you it's very all well and good going on the show but you know you need to make money from it essentially I mean that's the reason why we all go on it to improve our businesses and you know increase our profile so it makes sense you know to do things like this to carry that on you know and juice as much out of it you can Josh when you and I sat down it was literally just kind of about to go out wasn't it I think it was maybe like the week before when we sat up here in your bar in York and we spoke about it how has it been since being on the programme for all of you guys but it's been kind of crazy hasn't it 
I mean, I can't speak for Tommy because he's done it before, but I had an idea what would happen because I know Tommy well. But the minute it goes on, the restaurant changes because your restaurant gets very busy. You have to spend a lot of time outside actual cooking, your actual job. Your job then changes that you're this sort of personality in your own restaurant where you have to go around to all the tables and have a chat, which is great, but, you know, it's very peculiar. How was it for you, Danny? I don't know. Like, I think for me, do you know what? It was just a bit of a laugh. Because like, <laughs> these two, they've got money, they've got bills to pay, they've got staff to pay, everything like that. I've got none of that. Do you know what I mean? I went on with the ambition of raising my profile, like Josh said, and having a good time. And that's exactly what I did. And then after the show, yeah, business gets better at House of Tides and stuff like that. But it's not me that sees any cash benefit from it. It's kind of nice as well. Do you know what I mean? Just to enjoy the ride and not think what if this dies off what if do you know what I mean it was really nice for me to enjoy that wave and just know that I've had a good time <laughs> and now I'm here in York cooking for 60, 70 guests at Josh's place today and tonight and then get pissed <laughs> it's a win-win was there not maybe a message then from Kenny who's done it before saying look you know you've got to keep up the standard on a serious note obviously going on TV it's still representing House of Tides doing these events coming to York going to Oldstead later on it's still carrying House of Tides forward I'm still representing them so I won't be getting too pissed <laughs> but yeah there was you still want to go on and win whether it's for my business or Kenny's business I'm representing myself and House of Tides and of course you want to go on to win obviously I didn't but I gave it a good go just to put it out there and show the cooking in the North East in general that's kind of what the message was from Kenny was just don't fuck up <laughs> do you know what I mean well I don't, I don't think I mean none of you did because it was the most competitive week I think all of your individual scores could have probably won on other weeks so it just shows you how strong that week was what's it like Tommy in that kitchen because you were the returner what's it like with these guys is there a competition or is it you're all friends yeah it's, it is an interesting one because clearly you're all in competition with each other but you kind of are and you aren't it's not like a sport where you're fighting against each other you're going to get judged by the judges so you're kind of all in the same boat so I think you do feel a bit of like a brotherhood that you're kind of all in the same quite daunting stressful situation so you kind of try and help each other out and equally it's, I always find it difficult because I, I want to win and I like, really want to win I'm very competitive but equally I kind of want to see everyone else do well as well because you have such a great vibe all week and then it has to go a little bit sour at the end when people leave so it's a very bittersweet experience but cooking that kitchen is awesome it's just great fun it brings out the best in you I think did you feel that you had an advantage because you'd cooked in there before oh all the way through I was like no 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 of course not Um, it's it's the same for everybody but massively hugely it's a huge huge I mean like just having done television because if you haven't done it before then there's a lot of things to learn and oh massive advantage I had a huge advantage over the other two I mean I never admitted it and obviously <laughs> look at their faces now <laughs> he was like oh, I don't really remember last year <laughs> no but I was like same for everybody you know it's, it is and to an extent you've still got to perform but yeah returning contenders have a huge advantage over someone who's never done it before because there's all the tricks of the trade you know well, Danny if you've done Marshall maybe Josh this is your first time on TV mm. were you a bit conscious of how you were coming across all the time or is it just be myself yeah you're massively conscious on the first day I think of how you're coming across and paranoid about saying the wrong thing and how I'm going to come across to millions of people when it airs 
But you eventually just play the game, like Tommy said, and you, you realise what they want from you, and you build confidence. And I think since it was a strong heat, it built confidence in all three of us and really pushed ourselves because we're all pushing each other. And there is the competition side of it. We're all chefs, we're all competitive, we all want to have, you know, be successful. That's just the way all three of us are like. But we supported each other. And, you know, it's a high-pressure environment, but... The first day of filming is very difficult for a first time, but then I got used to it, and you just you just have to be confident who you are, really, and just did, accept did it. it, help, yeah. it must have helped again again for all three of you that you did know each other mm. before yeah, it's, it's, going in. So. It's, it's nice. Yeah, we went out for a meal the night before, and, you know, you're all nervous. There's no way of getting around it. When you go on a show like that, you're nervous. But I think it, it was really good that all three of us knew each other and, you know push through like that before we talk about what you're doing today and the event I was interested Tommy you know what's that feeling like when they say to you you're going to go to the banquet but again this time with that extra spice that you are sat there next to a very good friend of yours does it add a sort of bittersweet as well yeah it does just think about what Josh was saying I think when you watch Great British Menu as the week gets on the programmes get better because I think the chefs settle in and the more of their actual personality comes out like I dread to think what it's like for them trying to edit the first the starter courses when people are really nervous and stuff obviously it's a great honour but you do get this feeling like the, certainly the first year I did finals week with an amazing group of chefs like it was so competitive like the standard was so high like great great chefs and they've all become like best friends of mine and it, that was amazing because you kind of felt like yeah I was part of that and then it's the same so you think well like the standard was really high in our heat. I think it was the highest scoring heat of the competition yeah, by far. Yeah. And it's kind of nice just to like be part of it, I think. And also the whole like northeast thing. I remember like a few years ago, it wasn't doing as well with the northeast heats and people were taking the piss out of us a bit. And it's nice now. And I think more and more you see critics and, and people say, talking about restaurants outside of London. And certainly like the northeast, I think will be how many years in a row we've been to the banquet. But we must be one of the most successful regions now. I tell you what was really nice for me is. That week that it came out, I came to, I think I was in your restaurant the week after, and then I came to yours maybe three weeks off, and then the week after, I was, I was like, so I kind of got to do the so taste of the North would, East. Would you have come to all three of our restaurants if we hadn't been on Great British Menu? That's difficult for me, because yes, I would have, because mm. obviously I go around and do it, but it certainly obviously reminds people doesn't it and makes you think ah so maybe you're on the list but then it moves you Mm. to the top rather than saying oh i'll go Mm. to such and such before it because i said to josh sometimes it's like you forget that koshon's there for me because i'm focusing on going scotland bristol and actually i've got one of the best restaurants one of my favorite restaurants in the uk in a Mm. half an hour drive in york so it probably just moves you to the top of the list what's it been like you know now replicating some of those dishes your guys were the first night in House yeah, of Tides yeah. you also put a few of the dishes that I saw when I ate from Kenny and your menu yeah. so is it about interspersing it a little bit as well we want to give the whole experience you can if you just go for dinner for me anyway on the kind of format that we came up with you don't just want two dishes from each person like what you're going to have at the start what you're going to have do you have bread so we didn't do bread on GBM do you know what I mean so where do you go with it and I think you have to give them little extras and stuff. It's a special event. People are paying quite a lot of money for it. And we want them to not only have value for money and have a good time, but we want to kind of surprise them a little bit and know that we're not just plucking dishes off GBM. We're doing stuff that we normally do as well to the same high standard. And it's all the same across the board. And I think it really is just about the hospitality and giving people what they deserve for the money they're paying. 
one of the ones I saw that you did last time, I don't know if you're doing it tonight, perhaps you can say it's your, that salad dish that you did as your starter. <laughs> Look at his face. It's a sore subject. It's only got seven ingredients. Yeah, the traveling <laughs> salad. Is that the most difficult one that you could have possibly put on there? And Do you regret it now? <laughs> do you know what? When we got the brief for GBM last year, I didn't think... It sounds weird because I'd never thought I would do the dishes that were done so that I could get to the banquet. That's specifically what they were designed for. Not they were, getting out of the banquet. <laughs> <laughs> they were not designed for doing at La Cochon or a House of Tides or the Blacks. I never expected them to go on a menu. They were there for a banquet because it suited, in my opinion, the banquet. And the salad wasn't that difficult at House of Tides. But when you take salad on the road, (laughs) (laughs) when you take the salad on the road, it comes up with a whole other host of issues because I couldn't possibly prep it all this morning. You know, it took about six, seven hours to prep. So it all had to get prepped yesterday and then we cooked it all this morning. So we had to bring all that with us from Newcastle. So it was the traveling salad's a bit of a tough one and the prep list so big for it. It just feels like you're getting nowhere when you're crossing them off, which is pretty annoying. I'd much prefer Tommy's turbo. <laughs> so I designed dishes which you can get out of a banquet. <laughs> Having fallen foul of it, I mean, the first year I was nailing things in boards and filling things with smoke and all sorts of nonsense because that was just a made-up dish because I never thought it would get through to the banquet. I just got told to change it and I just went, oh, I'll just chuck all these bells and whistles on it and then it won and I was in the shit, basically. There was, like, really bad... But then this year it was really nice because I just literally had a pile of strawberries and a piece of fish on top with some cream sauce. So it's great. So I'm loving all these events. It's great. Even though you guys are doing it to a brief, is it still important to try and keep that essence of your cookery in it as well? You know, because I very much recognised the dish that you did, Josh, and I think I might have even tried it at Koshan before. Yeah, the Nasturtion ice cream, yeah. Actually, in my opinion, the worst part of GBM is the fact that we give you a brief because someone like me for instance I cooked my food but all I did eat sort of twisty food in a way so like I'll be honest this podcast will come out after the last event goes out so I can say it like, <laughs> the nasturtion ice cream with the strawberry soup I'm doing right now I really hate doing it I, like, I hate I hate doing it I hate prepping it I hate making it I hate everything about it because the one I do at the restaurant I think is like far superior so what happened is I got a brief and then just twisted a dish I liked at the restaurant to like fit the brief Rather, what would have been better is that, you know, there was no brief involved and I just cooked the dish that I really enjoyed doing in the first place. And that was a lot of my dishes were like that. And looking back on it now, I may have done, you know, a few things different, but that's not my feeling on it. Do you think you'll get a second crack at the whip of trying it again for GBM? Maybe one day. I mean, right now the restaurant's really busy and I'm actually just putting a pizza oven in to the bar right now so <laughs> I've got that money and that's all sorts out I mean I definitely would like to do it again one day but I own a restaurant there's so much yeah. fucking to do every day every day there's a problem every day <laughs> every day, two problems today. <laughs> every day there's something happening every day there's the excitement there's the worry about the money are the staff going to come in on time are they going to perform everything on top of your shoulders and suddenly when you add on something like GBM there's a huge amount of stress a huge amount so I mean this time around was you know a big challenge just in itself so if I ever did it again, I would like to be a little bit more settled, have, you know, hopefully 
a few solid members of staff in there to like run it through you know I didn't tell anyone this before but when I did the GBM the first time literally my whole kitchen staff were leaving so when I was on it I had a brand new kitchen team essentially in there and it was a huge amount of pressure huge amount of stress you know doing it all so if I ever did it again I'd like to be a bit more settled in the staff and in what we do is that a bit of a balancing act for all of you to feel now again with you probably are getting more requests now that your names are out there and like Josh is saying you know you do have a business to run I don't know what it's like for you <laughs> yeah but you do have a kitchen to run I know yeah. like it's you know with Kenny's is the name of House of Tides but you are the head chef yeah. so I imagine you're in there day in day out yeah. apart from the days that maybe you're on holiday I noticed she buggered off when I was in there cheers <laughs> didn't take it personally it's an holiday all the time I think that's the whole consistency thing though is because as a head chef because you have such a great team around you in all three places because they do most things just without being asked or anything like that you don't realise the things that they don't do without being asked until you're not there and then you might come back and this has happened or this hasn't been cleaned properly or something like that and it's because you prompt that as the head chef or as the business owner you make that happen but you don't realise that unless you have time away from it so as well as Josh saying, obviously it's a bit of a nightmare having to disappear for a bit, but it's also quite good to disappear and see how the team handle it when you're not there. Obviously for me, first because Kenny just does it, so they can obviously handle it. Do you know what I mean? That's a fortunate position that I'm in where if I have been asked to do GBM, then I can go down and do it. And it's, it's no worries because Kenny's just like, oh, there could be shifts this week. That's an unbelievable situation to be in because Josh doesn't have a Kenny above him to say, I'll, I'll do it this week, no worries. It is quite nice and it's quite bad at the same time because you want to be there all the time, especially House of Tides. You have set days off, we have set holidays, and that's purposely to the same teams in constantly. One well, no, I saw you, Tommy, actually, at Black Swan, you were saying about there's more interest in you and people are wanting you to tweet and Instagram and all this. And He's going to be selling fucking charcoal toothpaste, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Is that your new business line? <laughs> That's supposed to be into wraps out there. The Great British Menu changed my life, really, because I think all the things that Josh said that's where I was and what Great British Menu did was it just put us on the map like we're so busy after Great British Menu we used to be dead all the time we're in the middle of nowhere now we're full all the time so I managed to employ head chef so actually when I'm there it's great but it's exactly the same when I'm not so I'm not on the rotor really I mean I am sometimes but like I'm not really I've designed the business so I actually I'm not on the rotor but that's amazing it's allowed me to actually push the business forward come up with ideas do all the things I want to do and the business has just gone twofold threefold it's just been amazing since but all that's been enabled by Great British Menu and having the actual customers to come in because now I've got a budget I can employ more chefs I've got I think from the first time I did Great British Menu now I must have five more chefs in my kitchen you know so I've got a bigger brigade and I don't have to do it but it has allowed the restaurant to progress so it goes hand in hand and you know I can sell things like charcoal toothpaste and things like that <laughs> anybody out there who's got anything they'd sell in yeah. I, heard, I heard he's on fucking Love Island That's yeah so celebrity Love Island no absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> My, uh, you could do like celebrity come dine with me that'd be alright oh god I'm not I'd be Wait 15 a... years when he goes to the shit <laughs> <laughs> right, right now. I'd be such a bitch on <laughs> come dine with me <laughs> 
be a bit well, of uh, so added bathroom's crap. <laughs> <laughs> and since you've been on, you also announced that you're going to have a cookbook. Yes, it's all coming out. So that must be quite exciting. Yeah, well, so I've written the book. That's amazing undertaking, right? The cookbook. Any chefs who listen to this have written a book will just know, like, it's a huge amount of work. But it's been a massive learning curve. Like, the extent of my writing before that had been, like, Sharpie daubed prep lists on the back of old menus and stuff. <laughs> That's all I'd ever written. And then suddenly I've written 30,000 words and 90 recipes, and it's been great. That comes out early next year. We've got one more photo shoot for it. I've seen the first... Yeah, I'm plugging it here. Uh, I've, I've seen that I've got the first available from a bookshop near you. Yeah. No, it's actually available to pre-order online at Amazon. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been amazing and uh, it's great, and I hope chefs enjoy it. I feel like it's a book. If I'd have got it three years ago, it would have been a game changer for me. I've tried to break things down a bit. There's a lot of very interesting sort of techniques we do at the Black Swan in terms of preserving, or it could be bread making. It's a whole chapter on fermentation. But I mean, like, I've read Sander Katz's book and it's beautiful, the art of fermentation. But I've tried to put it down into like a few pages. I just tried to make it so you know you could pick it up and make the type of things that the style of cooking I do. It must be difficult for all of you guys because obviously you've got recipes in your head, but you're trying to get them out there or communicate them to other people whether through written form or even you know with your staff when you're coaching them is it as much about being like a people person as well as sort of being that personality I think it's interesting what Josh was saying start off with about the food you do on Great British Menu that's the biggest platform you're ever going to have to show off your food is something like Great British Menu or Saturday Kitchen where you can go and cook something so I think it's about finding a balance between hitting the brief and actually cooking the food you want to do so it is a compromise but I think the chefs were quite lucky that there was a lot of media platforms that we can really express ourselves. I mean, we're doing a podcast right now. You know, if we were the three best carpenters in York, we could make sick tables. <laughs> but there is no way anybody would be listening to what we have to say about our tongue and groove joints, is there? <laughs> like, people want to know about cooking, and we're really lucky. We're really lucky that we have great platforms to express ourselves on. And, like, people know, like, even, like, social media. Like, I'll take dishes out to people in the restaurant and I'll start explaining like oh yeah I saw it on Instagram last week you're like oh okay there you go you know we've got this amazing sort of platform and I think Great British Money is one of them but there's so much TV and podcasts and radio and social media I think we're really lucky Hi it's Paul from the Past Podcast Series 2 is sponsored by Welcome to Leeds a new city platform showcasing supporting and celebrating world class events and organisations and all the various people in Leeds just like the people that I'm meeting as a part of our new podcast series available exclusively through the Welcome to Leeds food channel. Check it out at www.welcometoleeds.co.uk. So we are predominantly a podcast talking about people's favourite dishes. That's what we do. We go through a menu of your careers, essentially. But what I thought maybe each one of you could do is just pick a dish that you're cooking tonight. I know we've talked about the salad and what have you. And just talk me through it. So we'll start with you, Danny, and then we'll work our way around. So, um, Obviously, I'm going to have to tell you the salad. So the 22-ingredient salad, it, I'll be honest, the food I did on Great British Menu was not an interpretation of myself or my food at all. It was entirely done for a brief. And that, for me, is where I kind of messed up. I didn't do half and half, like the brief and me. I didn't do entirely me. I did entirely for the brief. And that's where this salad came about. 22 ingredients for each member of the original Wimbledon championships. So the 22 ingredients, there's various temperatures, textures 
kind of play with the acidity, the, the sweetness, the bitterness, there's things that are scorched, there's things that are raw and fresh, and it's just to kind of mix it up a little bit, and there's nothing clever about it, it's a salad with, with an emulsion, which is essentially mayonnaise, we just make it with lovage oil and lovage vinegar instead of Dijon mustard and olive and veg oil. So there's nothing fancy about it. It's literally a play on a salad which anyone can make at home. And I think that, for me, is probably why I got quite a lot of attention on social media through that online when it went out. And I think it's because it was such a relatable thing. You could just chuck it all in a bowl, mix it all together with some dressing and put it in a bowl, and it tastes exactly the same as when you fuck around with it <laughs> and you put it on that bar. That's how we serve it. Just tossing it like a Jamie Oliver whacking it out, it's fine. Jamie Oliver's 30 minute meals. <laughs> you don't have to talk about the one that you mentioned, but what about one of yours, Josh? I felt a bit the same as Danny is like, I'm not sure that completely the food I did in GBM was like a complete representation of what I do. But I mean, like the lamb dish I'm doing tonight, for instance. On GBM, I did like a barbecue, like chump which I sous vide. So basically, like, when it came to tonight, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to just replicate it. I'm going to just do what I think is right by the produce. So we've got a salt-aged lamb rack, slow-cooking it in the oven and then basting it with a bit of sherry vinegar and butter and cooking the beetroots and the tasty paste, which I serve in the restaurant a lot and I did on GBM. But the tasty paste, once again, is a bit more refined version that I'm doing at the restaurant. So... The actual dish I'm doing tonight is a lot more what I envisioned and how I like to eat and a bit more real cookery, if, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with Danny, what he's saying about, you know, maybe it didn't come across himself in the food because I feel a little bit the same. Is it like a touch of frustration or...? I actually think it's like a little bit of like the first time you go on a show like that and you just feel, this is what I mean I was saying earlier about the brief, you know, you get influenced by the brief instead yeah. of just doing what you really want to fucking do, you know what I mean, like you're what you're really fall about. For it, don't you yeah, like, you sort of fall so for easy. it. And you're it's so stressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also there's, you film it a long time before it comes out, so actually by the time it comes out, like the I mean, first time I did it was a year. So uh, as a chef, you move on, don't you? Things you did a year ago compared to now, you don't really like anymore. So by the time the first dish came out, I was like, yeah, obviously the dishes were nice, but I kind of moved on as a chef, so I probably wasn't as fond of it. You're like, oh, God, you should see what I'm doing now. So two million people are seeing what I was doing last year, and I'd really like to see what I'm doing right now. But that's just how it is. What one from menu are you doing today that you'd like to talk us through? Well, I suppose you talk about turbot, strawberries and cream, really. Just before you start, is that similar to the one I would have had then when I ate there? Because I remember that combination. Mm. So that would have been quite similar. You brought it on later, Yeah, did you you have it with razor clams or with turbot? I think it was in the smaller. Yeah, so that would have been with razor razor clams, clams. which was how I was doing it in the restaurant because it fit the tasting menu a little bit better. But, you know, I'm really happy with that dish. I feel like it's one that will actually keep coming back in my career. I mean, I wouldn't probably say that the black swan, but I feel it's something I could do for banquets or something like that you know it's really worked obviously the brief was Wimbledon strawberries and cream is just a classic combination and what I love about it is it kind of does my style of cooking there's raw vegetables on it it's like lots of vinegar it's quite sort of acidic and fresh but then there's loads of classical cooking you're roasting a piece of fish and you're making the most classic cream based velouté you've ever seen so it's like a real marriage between contemporary cooking and also classical really classical cooking so I'm, I'm very fond of that dish and of course it messes with people's mind a little bit like people read strawberries and cream I've had some Twitter I can't I can't not yeah. believe you did fish with strawberries 
<laughs> you are a madman. Yeah, but the Twitter hater. I mean, I got people like it's so funny. I remember the show going out and like my tweet was going, "Who does this guy think he is? He's oh, so ar- that, yeah. he's so arrogant doing strawberries and cream." You're Maybe quite he's quite arrogant. Though. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know how they could tell. on, but it was a bit harsh. How, how could they tell that through that dish thing? And you know, it's like loads of hate, and I was just like, it was great because obviously we filmed like six months ago. I was like, just you wait and see when this gets. To <laughs> yeah, I just held my tongue, but it's really worked. So it's one that I'm really proud of from Great British Many, but I've always wanted to win the bloody main course and I've always had banging main courses they always give me the fish and now wherever I go people are like oh you're Mr Fish aren't you it's like not, not really no I'm Mr Meat you just don't know it yet yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 I was just going to say I wanted to leave it on I'm Mr Meat <laughs> yeah, I'm Mr Meat you're definitely going to be known as Mr Meat now can that be your headline yeah, <laughs> yeah about I am Mr Meat yeah Surely, though, you've got to be like one of the first people they invite back, but then is there that pressure on, I've won it two times? I'm not doing it again. You're not going to do it? No. It's the hardest thing. I say it to the chefs, it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. It really takes over your whole life, and I've done it obviously twice and been very successful. Coming back this year, I like signed up to do it, and then I saw I was up against Danny and Josh, I was like, what have I done? I knew they were both really good chefs, and I'm like, oh, God, you could have quit on a high. Uh, luckily last year went well but I'm not taking another risk on this to be honest <laughs> I think I've kind of done my time I mean like Great British Menu the North East has gone really really well and you know it's someone else's turn I think again though coming back to what we were saying earlier to be sat here with three guys who in my opinion run some of the best restaurants in the North East and to say that any of you could have won it in my opinion beforehand might you sound, are so strong might sound a little bit outspoken but I genuinely believe that if it had been three separate heats all three of us would have been at the finals week from what I could see and really like there was banquet dishes from it was almost unfortunate that the North East is so strong that you end up because you see some of the other heats and like there's some free passes to the finals week I think for the good chefs I'm not saying like chefs in finals week were great but I think some of the heats are not the same standard so it's almost unfortunate you can't play against each other yeah I completely agree I completely agree with you guys look I'm going to let you wrap up because you've got a lot to do tonight but thank you all three of you for your time have a fantastic night enjoy it yeah thank you thank you you for listening to the past podcast if you haven't already please subscribe and follow me at Paul Newb on Twitter for updates on the next podcast if you can I'd really appreciate a nice review just leave a few words and it helps other people find us The Past Podcast is edited and mixed by Adam Linder from Bespoken Podcasting. Craig Fields from Ambient Light provides technical support. With thanks to Ruby Chow for booking support.